tried to count the number of doors I've gone through today uh, while I was, before worship, I was obviously worshiping, but before I started worshiping, I tried to count the number of doors that I've been through today, and it's totally fine if you want to start doing that right now as well. I'll lose you for a few minutes, so I'm just going to fluff it up here at the beginning, but I think I have already been through over 20 different doors today. You'd at least be like, wow, that's amazing, but that's okay. It's still early. Thank you. Yeah, this is like the twice time that I've looked for an amazing and gotten nothing, so I will not preach the same sermon tonight. Don't you worry. Um, as I was thinking about all the doors, I realized, you know, they're all a, a little bit different. There was the push-pull door. Are you familiar with this type of door? Usually when you go in, you... No, you, you pull. What? You pull when you usually go in so that you can be a gentle man or a gentle woman and let someone through. And when you're going out, you push, which is a little bit harder, right, to be the gentleman during that time. you got to do the awkward lean. Except for, and this is probably where you got confused, the door to the youth room. The door to the youth room, which we call the garage, which is located in the parking structure, the garage, get it? When you try to go to that door, if you try to pull, it doesn't open because it's a push. Now, don't feel like that's weird, because when you go and you try, you're going to instinctively pull, and I'll be on the other side of that door, and I'll be like, it's a push, and you will push, and then we'll both laugh, be like, what is that? That's so weird. Shouldn't it be a pull? I know, it's a push. There's other people, though, this could be you as well, they go to pull, and it doesn't, and I'm like, it's a push, and they say, it's locked, and they shout it, they hit the doorbell, pulling, pulling, and I'm like, it's a push, and then I go, and I pull it open, which they should have pushed, and then we don't laugh. We get very angry. There's also the automatic door. Did anybody go through that door? Love that kind of door. I don't know if you know the history of automatic doors, but they were inspired by Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's a Jedi. People were watching Star Wars. He just threw a door. They were like, I need to do that. Some guy went in, created it, boom. If you are taking notes, that is a major takeaway from today's sermon. If I am not currently using my Jedi mind tricks to open automatic doors, today's the day where you start. There's also the handle on doors. Anybody got a handle on their door? Like a knob? What about the push with the thumb? I got both of those, front and back door. Well, whether you're traveling to Jerusalem like Jesus in our text today, or whether you are traveling to church like you probably did today, you're going to go through doors. Anybody get more than 20? Did you count your car door? In and out. It's an additional two for those of you still counting. Now, in our text today, we're reminded that Jesus is making his way to Jerusalem. He's got one destination. He's going to the cross. And along this journey, he's going to visit towns and villages, but he's continuing to heal, to teach, and especially teaching through parables. And yet today, we encounter not a parable, but a little story with a question. And Jesus went through the towns and villages teaching as he made his way. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? I wonder why the person asked that. Are only a few people going to be saved? Pastor Mike and I, he's preaching in the sanctuary. We talked about this text. We were wondering, is he trying to get like a little little wink-wink from Jesus? Like, hey, only a few of us, right? The ones who think, act, talk, look like we do, right? We're the ones getting in. Was it because he looked around and didn't see too many people responding to Jesus and said, nobody's changing, Lord. Is, is anybody going to get in? Like, what's going on here? Or was he worried about himself or herself? Thinking, I want this, but 
but I can't do this. And then we encounter this text. He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. And you will say, we ate and drank with you and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. So I'll ask a question today. How does that text sit with you? I'll go first. It's this section and the one that's very close to it in Matthew 7 where Jesus says there are people who will prophesy in his names and do the works that he does, but at the end he will say, away from me, I never knew you, I don't know you. And those two sections, the one that we're looking at today and that one in Matthew 7 are are some of the worst for me, if you can say that about the Bible. It creates confusion for me, a little bit of uncertainty. And I don't think there's anything in this world that is as bad as uncertainty. I'm not talking about the uncertainty of like, what's going to happen at work? Or which receiver should I start in my fantasy football league? I'm talking about soul uncertainty. The who am I really uncertainty. When I read this text, this text somehow does that to me. Make every effort. I mean, come on, Jesus. I've been here at St. John since birth. I went to Lutheran schools all my life, including the Concordia University, Irvine. I'm a pastor. I volunteer at VBS. Surely the door is going to be open for me, right? So why do I pause at that? I don't know you or where you come from. Make every effort. I wonder about my effort. I'm not always burning with passion and a desire, not always feeling it. And I look back at some of those doors I've chose to open. They're not always the best choice. A lot of wrong doors, too many pulls on a push. Look at that metaphorical hallway of life and I get worried that I'm going to be like that dude in Indiana Jones who chooses the wrong cup except in this scenario it's the door but either way my hair grows out and I die in the Greek make every effort means also to struggle why did he say it's narrow why does it have to be difficult So much of life seems to be very difficult, and I don't know if that I'm always going to have the energy to struggle and make that effort. There's quite a bit to do in the average day. And I thought maybe I was just kind of being a whiner about this text, but five chapters later, the disciples, they're going to ask the same question, except this time they're going to say, who can be saved? Not how many, not what's the percentage, but who Can anyone be saved? And you better believe they remember this conversation because they respond with all of the effort that they've been making, saying, we've left everything to follow you. And Jesus tells them, it's impossible. With man, it's impossible to be saved. But with God, 
with God, it's possible. Only one person opens the door. So then the effort is not to open the door because we can't. So the question then is, how do we enter? And you already know the answer. It's cross. It's water like Renee had last week with a promise. The effort isn't on us to open the door. He does what we can't. So our effort then becomes to get out of the way, to stop trying to pry open the door, stop trying to convince ourselves that now that I've been saved, I should be able to open this door myself. The effort comes from stop looking at ourselves and look at Him. And how do you do that? Because I've heard that sermon before. Jesus opens the door. It's all good. So I'm just going to stop trying and put my trust in Jesus. I say the words. I got baptized. But when I look at the real me, I still sin. I still choose wrong doors, and it eats away at my certainty. The Apostle Paul knew a little bit about going through doors, and he wrote this in Romans 7. You can follow along with me. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I mean, I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Part of me covertly rebels. And just when I least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything, made every effort, and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? That's the real question, isn't it? And the answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but I'm pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. Jesus. Jesus. We sang it about a thousand times. Uncertainty can only be stopped by looking at Jesus. Looking at the cross. Because it was there that he did it. You didn't do anything on the cross. In fact, we were the last The furthest thing from being saved and entering through the door was us. But now, now we're first. And that's the reversal. It's not about push or pull. It's about the door is open for you and I. Don't make the effort of trying to bang on the door or prove your credentials to get in. Suddenly, just make the effort to trust every day. Make the effort every day to go back to your baptism, to go back to that cross. We do not just speak words in service and say, I'm a sinner, please forgive me. Those are words that we feel, that we identify with, cry out for mercy. And as important as it is to confess our sins, it would be nothing without the absolution and the forgiveness of sins that we receive from Jesus. 
That's where the certainty is in Jesus. The good shepherd isn't standing at the door, holding it open, hoping that you'll make it in. The good shepherd is running after you, stopping at nothing to pick you up and to carry you through the door. That is not positive thinking, friends. That's the gospel. That's the truth. When we stop looking at ourselves and we look at him, suddenly that door of salvation isn't just going to be the last door that we go through. It's the door that we've already gone through and live in now. We live a doors open life, holding it open for others. Josh prayed, send us out to be the ones who speak so that those from the east, the west, the north, and the south can all come and find this door. We throw our effort, we make every effort into being in the word, to being in worship, to being in prayer so that we can teach our children how to push and pull. So that we can be the ones that when the world looks at us, we can show them the open door. Because when that door is open, you're not worried. You're not worried about how much you got or whether you'll have enough or whether or not you're good enough or you're the right person in this situation to do something. You just boldly and generously go out giving everything away. Not just your money, but your time and your talents Billions of people on this planet, but only one you. Only one you who brings love in a way that only you can. This is a world that delights in slamming doors in people's faces. So where is God leading you to be his disciple who opens that door? Is it helping a hurting friend? We have a fantastic prayer and care ministry. And yet we still need you to volunteer and to sign up and to be a part of it. To visit with someone. To bring them restorative hope. Is it making a phone call? Offering an apology? Forgiving someone? What kind of restoration is missing in your life because we don't take the first step? Or is it just taking that brave first step and finding a group? It's okay to admit that you're hurting and to need help. And we got lots of groups of people who are hurting and need help and want to come alongside you to offer any help that they can. And I don't know where you're at or where you've been, but I do know who goes with you with you through every single door that you step through and also opens them. That make every effort, that struggle comes up one other time in the Bible, probably a few others, but one important time was when Paul says, fight the good fight of the faith. Trust in what God has done for you and love others in a way that responds to what God has done for you. Friends, there is no need to be uncertain. There is no worry or no need to worry if that door will be open to you. Because it is Christ lives in you and has made his home in you. Christ opens the door for you. And we trust that and believe that. And we respond to that by opening doors in love for others.